explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. This is without question the birthplace of Harley, and I always like to say Harley still lives in the neighborhood in which we were born. Urban Spelunking hitting the road this week. You like that uh, little pun there? This is where the the rubber hits the road. road. Ah, There you go. All right. (laughs) So we're going down to the original Harley-Davidson factory. This was the central operations for, for decades. Yeah, from its birth, it was there for like 80 years making motorcycles. And all these years later, it's still there with loads of people working there. They don't make bikes there anymore, but there's still tons of people working there. So we had a chance to walk around this whole uh, plant that is, um, it's busy there. I mean, there's hundreds of employees. They've, they've got much of their marketing, almost all of their marketing centered there. Um, training and classrooms and um, services for dealers. It's it's really a busy place. Yeah, tons of people coming and going. And man, it was not easy to find a parking spot. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, we had a chance to talk to this guy, Bill. And Bill is, uh, he probably knows the most about Harley-Davidson history. If not in the world, he's he's up there. And this was the original site, right? Yes, across Highland Avenue where the Miller Coors building stands is where the Davidson family home stood. And Bill Harley and Arthur Davidson started in the basement of that home. And then he did it in a nice way, but Arthur Davidson's father kicked them out of the basement and said, look, I'll pay for the lumber, the tools, and can you guys please build a structure out in the backyard to complete your motorcycle project? And that was a 10 by 15 foot wooden shed. Okay, and what Bill likes to say about this is that the shed doubled in size. The next year they expanded the shed and he likes to tell people that, you know, that Harley doubled in size in, in one year. <laughs> Not um, hard to do when you're talking about a shed, but... No, but it's amazing because in 1903 they're in this tiny shed that looks not unlike a slightly enlarged outhouse, you know, and then within a year that doubles. And then by 1906, like two years later, they build this this much bigger brick building across the street on the site of where the Harley is now. And then like a year later they put another floor up, then they put a an addition on to the to the west of that and then you know by 1910 they've got these like five-story factory buildings going up next to it it's it's amazing how fast this was growing and there were just additions year after year after year after year until the first world war one of the things that i think was so cool about our tour was we got to see these production numbers from the early 1900s and 10s uh, and you can really see that growth right by the numbers it's amazing in 1909 when they're starting to build these much bigger factories um they're making a little over a thousand bikes a year, but once those buildings are done, 1913, they're making 13,000 bikes. Wow! Which is crazy because then you start to think that there's been demand for these bikes that they just couldn't meet. You know, they had to exp- they couldn't expand quick enough to meet this kind of demand that was there. And even though production has since moved away from this plant, uh, it still maintains this. I mean, it's the original. It's- yeah, they have people coming all the time to take pictures in front of this uh, a sign that's a replica now but it's you know a replica of a sign that's hung up there for decades and decades uh people come and take pictures in front of the signs and whenever they have these big anniversary events like the 115th they have gatherings there and tons of bikers come there and it really is it's the birthplace right well then what's also interesting now nothing is made here anymore or, or assembled here but you say this is still sort of the mecca isn't it for for harley riders it continues to be even after the museum was built because one thing the museum will never have that the site has is that history right from 1903-04 all the way up to 1973 and by my estimation over a million bikes were built well our conversation continues next on urban spelunking we talk about the the culture the the brand loyalty that has developed around harley davidson and bobby gets on a bike he sure does at the center at the at the former plant 
you did some pretty good gear shift in there, don't you think? You, you did pretty good. I was very Really, impressed. what I was best at was revving. You, you, you revved very well, I yeah. gotta say. Yes. That's coming up next here on Urban <laughs> Spelunking. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. Back at the Juno Avenue plant for Urban Spelunking, Nate Immick here with Bobby Tanzillo. And uh, we, we talked with Bill, this, this guy, Bill Jackson, who basically knows like everything there is to know about Harley Davidson. And is a super nice guy. Super nice guy. And, and he talks a lot about how, how Harley Davidson throughout its history really kept its Milwaukee roots. Yeah, I mean, the fact that there's still a thousand people working at that place, even though they're not making bikes anymore, Harley still has a thousand people showing up every single day to work in the city of Milwaukee at this plant. That's pretty great. Um, I'm sure there were opportunities for Harley to move out to the suburbs and build a completely new monument and, you know, a big glass and crystal palace, kind of a monument to itself, and it didn't do that. It's like we've never left our roots, which I think is fantastic. I think that's pretty fantastic too, right? And I mean, I think that's part of where this brand loyalty comes from because they're loyal to their birthplace, right? So, you know, I think the kind of people that are into Harleys, you know, that you generally think of are working people, people who would be loyal, you know, in the same way that they're loyal. And I think that that carries over to the brand for these people. Yeah, and just as we were walking through the building, you could just sense that Harley would be nothing without Milwaukee and, and kind of vice versa. That It just has this really strong... Milwaukee connection, whether that's, you know, and all the photos they have around the building, how they haven't changed a whole lot from the outside. I also thought it was interesting that, you know, we've been to a lot of these places doing these stories over the years, and that is by far the most employees I've seen wearing the company gear. Oh, yeah. Like when we walked through, everybody was wearing Harley stuff, Harley hats, Harley shirts, Harley vests, just Harley everything. A lot of good beards there, too. They were rocking the beards. <laughs> that place was seriously beardy. But also, they have an amazing shop inside for employees, right? Like a company store, basically, um, full of Harley gear that's unique to the, a lot of it being unique to the Juno plant. So these people really feel a pride in wearing that that shows that they work in this place. So that really goes back to that, that brand loyalty, that culture that has been built, going all the way back to 1903. It's almost like how people are about Disney, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's There's very few brands that people actually tattoo on their bodies. Yeah. Um, for a while, for the longest time, people said, well, Harley was the only one. There are others, but people actually tattoo Harley's logo on themselves. So, Bobby, when are you getting your Harley tattoo? Uh, any day now. <laughs> any day any now. Day now. <laughs> well, you got a chance to get a little bit closer to the Harley experience. Uh, have, have you been much of a, uh, a biker in your life? I've been on a motorcycle exactly once. Wow, okay. Yeah. My dad bought a motorcycle when I was a kid. There is uh, this, I don't know what it's called, the thing that, that you can, there's like this corner with a bike, an active bike that's that you can get on, and it's on this like, what's that thing called that it was on? That, I don't know what that's called, but it, it basically stops the bike from moving. Like yeah. The, like the, the tire spins, but the bike stays stationary. So Bobby got the chance to climb on the bike. We're going to take I you did. there. All right, Bobby, you're about to jump on this jump start. What's, what's your motorcycle experience looking like, Bobby? You can't say that word here, Bobby. Come on. All right, Bobby, we're going to find out. There you go. <laughs> this is your first time since what? The 70s? What are we doing here? The 70s. <laughs> yes. No right, pressure. So this one. 
Nice gear shift in Bobby. That was pretty good. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> nice. And I, I only popped the clutch once. That's right. And I thought the coolest thing though was you got to sign this. You got to put your name on this big uh, like sign they have in that room of everybody who's ridden that bike. Yeah. And there's barely any white space. You had to like find. Oh, I made space. <laughs> I made a spot. <laughs> so you're in there forever. Well, podcasts on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from On Milwaukee. You could subscribe to this podcast at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo. Thanks. Thank you.